This is real good content. We should actually just drop this. I don't give a <sighs> All right. No, no more no more claps are needed now, I guess. So it's it's a little different. But alas, we, we keep it going. Let us Yeah, definitely start with some music. For sure, for sure. We just want to I gotta carry him. Yeah, yeah, I'ma go into this. Yeah, yeah, this is Gorilla. Yeah, yeah, I'ma go get the bag. Yeah, yeah, or I'ma get the bag. Yeah, yeah, I'm so cold like yeah. Yeah, I'm so dull like yeah. We gon' blow like yeah. <sighs> This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. Look how I'm kicking now. I'm so pretty. I'm on Gucci. I'm so pretty. I'm on get it. This is Sally. On my Kodak. Black. Know that. Hundred bands, hundred bands, hundred bands. Contraband, 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 contraband. I got the plug on who a hacker. Whoa, they gonna find you like fuck America. I just check my follow and listen. You motherfuckers owe me.
Man, man, man. To think that a song that came out like four years ago is still just that uh, poignant today. Am I, am I saying that? I think, yeah, I'm saying that right. That's the right usage. Uh, that's why we monitor the audio. Look at that. Uh, <clears throat> welcome one, welcome all to episode number 71 of the What Are We Even Talking About podcast. I, as always, am your host, Izzy. And I got, yo, I, I feel like I just have, like, so much to talk about, and I don't even know where to begin, where to even, like, take this, for starters. Uh, I will start by saying that last week's episode, so actually, let's, I'll, I'll start with just talking about me, and and my week. Uh I had the the pleasure of having a four-day weekend for Memorial Day weekend. Didn't really go anywhere. Didn't really do anything. It was really just relaxing time, trying to get my mental health uh, on track and in order. Um, <clears throat> due to that, I totally, like, forgot to upload the episode of the podcast. I mean, yeah, but I, I mean, I did it Monday morning. Normally, I schedule it Sunday night so that those of you who might listen in the morning, because I know there are some of you who do listen first thing in the morning, you get the pod. Uh, Not so much last week. Not so much at all. But, alas, we, we we continue to persist and we continue to strive forward. We are now in June. Um, Actually, before we even get into June... Didn't want to talk about my my long weekend. Didn't do too much. But one thing that I did do that I think was really great and much needed was got to hung out with former co-host of the show, Sammy. Mr. California was in town. So got to have lunch with him. Got some wings. Got some beer. It's a good time. It's a good time. Uh, anytime I'm able to spend time with Sammy is always just it's a delight I love that guy him and I we've been best friends since we were like 16 years old so it's like it's hard to not a it's hard to just not feel better after being around someone that you uh have had that close of a bond with for so long and it's also I've realized uh it becomes easier to maintain low maintenance friendships when you have that strong of a foundation because Sammy and I we're you know we're at a point now where it's like yeah like we cuz I don't he doesn't get to come to Rhode Island all the time so he's not here all the time and when he is here I'm not available all the time so it isn't like I get to see Sammy every time he's in he's in Rhode Island I don't but alas I think we're able to still Anytime we do get to see each other, it does feel like a bit of a celebration. So I uh, just wanted to mention that and just say, yeah, man, I was really, you know, happy to spend some time with my guy. Spend some time with my boy. Um, and that transitions us right into June. Uh, while we were um, at this establishment, we were eating wings and having beers. Um, it's like noon on a Tuesday, so it's re- there's really no one there. It's myself, 
it's Sammy, and it's two other patrons, a couple, right? On the TV, a story comes on, and they're talking about uh, this trans swimmer who won first place, a uh, female trans sw uh, swimmer. She won first place. She's, you know, receiving all this backlash as far as, which is, I mean, I think it's like, it's a, it's a recurring story that we see for all trans athletes at this point, um, particularly female trans athletes. Uh, I, you know, re read stories about just the potential of like a trans athlete ban altogether. Uh, so the issue with this, with trans athletes, for those of you who may not be aware, it's because it's not super cut and dry. Um, when an when an individual is transitioning from male to female, now when I say transitioning, uh, the the correct kind of way to view it, it isn't like a, it's not because I think that's where. And a lot of this does get lost when it comes to trans individuals is that the choice isn't to transition from male to female or female to male. It's more so like the, the choice that they're making is, do I want to uh, take the the steps to correct something that is not correct? I, like, I, everything inside of my being and everything inside of my existence and everything that I am points me towards this, uh, this gender identity over here. But anatomically and all these other things have me over here. Do I want to take the steps to correct that and live as I believe I am intended to live? Right, I think a lot of people view the the trans thing as kind of like, well, you're you know you're like you you're just waking up one morning and deciding like, oh, I'm a woman. No, no, I don't I don't believe that's how that works, and that's something that I've kind of um, been able to kind of educate myself on. It's not really how that works, uh, and I firmly do believe that it is possible for children and adolescents to know whether or not they are gay or trans that's that's very much possible reason why i say that though is because i know there are a lot of people who say well how could you know that if you don't know like you don't know anything yet and you're still learning and all of this stuff i can tell you right now that when i was when i was my son's age when I was seven years old, I didn't know much. Of course, most seven-year-olds, I mean, you're just, you're learning. So you, you know, you know, simple reading and simple math. But there are two very, very fundamental things that I knew at an extremely young age. I knew that I was a boy. I knew that. I knew I am a little boy. I knew that at a very young age. Like, yep, I'm a, I'm a boy. I'm a little boy. 
I'm gonna grow up to be a man. This is this is who I am and who I'm supposed to be. I knew that. So I can totally see how a child that age who maybe doesn't identify themselves as a little boy or feels otherwise, yeah, I can I can see how you can know at a very young age. Because I knew that, yeah, I'm 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 a little boy. I'm I'm a little boy inside of a little boy's body. Like that's 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 who I am. I knew that at a young age. Another thing that I knew at a very young age is I like girls. I like girls. I knew that at a very, very young age. I am a little boy who likes girls. And I will grow up to be a man with, with a wife someday. I knew that. So, yeah, it's not so far-fetched when, you know, when, when, uh, when children and adolescents say that they believe themselves to be this type of way because it's like well yeah like you you would be the best judge of that that doesn't mean that they need to you got to put them in therapy or you have to fix them because they're not broken they're, they're not broken people uh so this trans swimmer was born born male transitioned at some point uh in uh, in her, and I'm, and I'm guessing she, she might have competed when she was still presenting male. She might have competed uh, as a swimmer and didn't have as much success. She went through her transition process so that she would be afforded the opportunity to live her truth, which I think everyone should be afforded that opportunity. And then she continues to compete in swimming and obviously now competing against women and is winning. And that's what we see more of where it's uh, male to female, tra it's trans women competing and succeeding. And then the the conversation that kind of comes up with this is kind of, well, is that fair? Is it fair for them to be able to compete? Because from a uh, from a hormone from a testosterone standpoint, they are still as strong as men, and they are still as athletically gifted as men. So, how do you balance that? How do you work your way around that? What do you do about that? Um, do you? Do you make them compete against men? Do you make them? Do, do you make it that your your the the way that we compete is based on the gender that was assigned to you at birth, so that even if you transition, you're still competing against the men, and if you're a trans man, you're still competing against the women. Do we allow it to keep going, and then? You know, but then we have to kind of take what comes with it. See, because I don't want to say, and I don't necessarily want to be of the of the ilk of saying, well, she only won because she was born a male. 
because like well no like she still had to work hard there's still some level of like she's still competing at a very high level no matter what like she's still doing she still did the work she still trained and did all of the things so you can't necessarily just flat out discredit that uh and then you and obviously the other possible option that people would try to throw on the table is well, why don't you just have like a third set of competitions that are just for trans people. I was like, well, I don't think there's, I don't think there's enough trans competitors for you to be able to do that either. As a, as a cisgendered um, male, I don't know the answer to this. I don't. Um, I don't know the best way to handle this because to to ban them doesn't feel right. It doesn't because it's like, well, can you imagine needing to sacrifice? It's it's essentially saying you have to give up this thing that you've trained your whole life trying to be great at. You need to give that up for you to be able to live in your truth. If you want to live in your truth, then you can't do this. If you want to do this, then you can't do that. Like you have, you can only pick one path. That's shitty to me. It doesn't feel right. It just doesn't. And I think that's where I, I don't know the answer to it. What I do believe though, is that in the disc, whatever room is discuss that is discussing the answer to this problem if there are not, uh, if there isn't a, a, a good representation of trans people in that room that's discussing this, uh, this issue, then I think that's a problem. See, I don't know what the solution is, but I do feel like I can gather to think of like, well, how would you get to that solution? The way you would get to that solution is by having trans people in the conversation to be able to kind of advocate for for their own and be able to properly uh, educate and properly uh, bring upon an answer that is within alignment so that we can all so that we so that we can walk away knowing that well we're everyone is in a better place now. Everyone should have some semblance of feeling whole walking away from this. Because I think just to blindly say we're going to ban all trans athletes is a very, uh, it's, it's very, it, it reeks of the approach of someone who is, who was born, uh, who was born the gender they were supposed to be and don't have the issue with it, not their problem, and they just rather toss it aside completely. I, I don't know, y'all. I don't know. I don't know the right approach to this one then. But I just know that you, you gotta have them in the conversation if what your goal is 
is to have everyone feel whole. If the goal is to do something that can allow for everyone to feel some semblance of um, completeness, then, yeah, you got to have some representation of everyone at the table. But if that's not your goal and you're just, you know, you, you just want to appease your constituents and, and that's about it. And maybe you don't have as many uh, trans, you know, trans voters or people who care about trans people in your constituency, then maybe you don't care. And that would be very unfortunate. You know, so. Um, I. I mean, I just hope that we're I hope that we can get to a place where we have the right people in the room to be able to sort this one out. Right. With that being said, happy Pride Month. Um, I'm already started seeing all the companies with their the, the rainbow logos and everyone is an ally. Everyone cares now. Which is great because I think everyone should care. I think for me, and it's it's a story. I don't know if I've ever told this story on this podcast. I grew up, so in my upbringing, um, my family was always just very ex- accepting of, um, just always been very ex- accepting of queer, of, of queer people. When I say accepting, is more so just saying like, um, we didn't, we we never judged anyone because we we have members of I have family members who are queer, and we never judged them for that. I think it was in it was kind of always and I just come from a family of of sense of humors where we would like every everything was you know anything we would take any part about you and we would just you know, make fun of it. So, I mean, there was that, so I'm not going to sit here and say, like, we never made, like, like, I never heard any gay jokes growing up. I did. But it was never to, it, it, I don't know that I ever saw or I ever experienced any feeling of, like, you, you should not accept them. You should, like, you should not accept this and you should not, no, that's not how it's not how I was raised. So growing up, I never knew that there were people who felt as though being uh, gay was wrong. I never knew that. It kind of threw me off once I when when I started when I as I was growing up and think maybe it might have been when I was like around like college and. You know, I think in, in college is where you start to college, maybe late high school. That's where a lot of um, people who identify as gay will more openly start to just live their truth. And that's where I started to hear like the horror stories of families who just weren't accepting parents, fathers in particular, you know, di- disowning their children. And, and all of that, and I never knew, because for me, uh, I never saw that happen to any of 
um, my gay family members. Now, of course, I mean, I was, I was younger, so maybe, maybe they did endure some stuff that I just wasn't aware of and I wasn't privy to because I was looking at it from the lens of a child. But it always just seemed like, yeah, like, no, it's very, very accepting. And like, it's, it's just like a, a part of who they are. Like, you know, it's part, part of who, who they are. Like, yeah, they, they're, they're showing up to Thanksgiving dinner with their, with their partner who's the same sex. Like, cool. It's not a, it's not a weird, it, it just never, it never felt like a weird thing to me. It was just like a, yeah, like that's just what it is. And I think so much of the issue that people have as it pertains to the LGBTQIA plus community is that a lot of y'all don't know how to mind y'all fucking business. It's, just, it's not your business. That's really what it is. It's like, I, I don't care about what people do in the bedroom as much as I don't want people to care about what I do in the bedroom. And I think, you know, when it comes to uh, the trans community, it's just like, yeah, like, I don't need to know about your body as much as you don't need to know about my body. You just don't. You don't, you don't need to know. It ain't your business. You know? So, um, happy Pride Month to all um all all my all my loved ones all the people who i um care about who are part of that community um i love and appreciate y'all i'm grateful to have uh, a good a good enough network of individuals in that community to where i can have meaningful conversations with them and them be able to just Keep it very, very real with me and very honest. See, I think a lot of times when, when we're talking about things that we don't understand and uh, and and uh, people that we don't understand, the biggest disconnect is the fact that, well, you don't understand them because you've never spoken to them. You don't understand them because you've never really interacted with them. You've never gone ahead and broke bread with them to be able to understand, well, how can you possibly get there? And not saying that you have to change them or anything like that. It's more so just understand how they got there. And you might be able to be at a place of uh, a more peaceful place just because you, you understand one another just a little bit better. Not a lot of it. Not saying that, you know, it would be this, you know, conversation where, where y'all would, you know, fix one another in any way. It's not, it's just a, it, it would just be something that would uh, assist in the case of being able to just better understand one another, which I think is just something that's very much lacking, right? What am I even talking about? So, there's a lot. This has been a wild week. This has been a very, very wild week. A lot going on. A lot happening. Um, first things first, I want to just say um, a quick just rest in peace to the four young lives. Uh, four young uh, lives from, uh, from Rhode Island. 
who uh, lost their lives in a tragic car accident coming from Connecticut. Coming from Connecticut. Um, I believe it was in Thompson, Connecticut that they that this car accident occurred. I believe it was five of them in the vehicle. One of them survived. And yeah, it's just tragic. And it did I mean it did make me think of just like all of the instances where I was in that situation growing up, not not getting into a car accident, um, thankfully. But it's just like that those moments that you have when you're 18, 19, you're just coming out of high school. It's you and your friends and you're packing into a car uh, to go to the beach and you're just wanting to just enjoy life because you're you're ready to you, you just feel like you're ready to take on life. I remember me feeling coming out of high school like, yo, I'm ready to take on life. And it wasn't it wasn't strange at all to be like, yeah, like five of us are all going to pack into a vehicle. And. And we're going to we're going to pack into this vehicle and we're going to go to the beach and we're going to just like. We're, we're going to take on life and we're going to start living our best life. I remember being there. I. I remember those feelings. You know. I can't tell you the last time I was ever in a vehicle with five people. Not like, not in a, like a, yeah, three in the back, two in the front. We're going to be a little bit like smushed up in the back. Like, uh, it's been a long time for me since I've done that. But like, I remember though, when you, when you're 18, 19, your squad maybe only has one car between all y'all. We packing in, we packing in and we going because we, we getting this thing called life started now. Uh, so just, I saw just a lot of, um, I, I didn't know any of these individuals. Um, I saw just a lot of, we, we had a lot of mutual friends and again, I just think, uh, they, a lot of people were just deeply affected by it. So just rest in peace to them. Uh, in just continuing of tragic um, stuff because I think that's this is that hour of the pod right now where it's just like ah oh, this is that section we're just gonna get into a bunch of tragic shit why not uh so there was and this is something that happened last Friday in Rhode Island in Massachusetts uh it's in light of everything that we saw happen in Texas, what we saw in Sandy Hook, what we've just seen across the board, it's just not the kind of text that you want to receive as a parent. Um, there were some threats made to multiple schools in Rhode Island and in Massachusetts. And there was like statewide notifications sent to everyone just saying like some schools were just like nope like we're you know we we're in like a partial like shelter right now just making sure all the kids are safe uh working with the police some schools were like you know there was no threat made directly to our school but you know we'll keep you we just want to keep you informed on what's going on like we're good over here 
saw a lot of parents rushing to pick up their kids early from school because they were they were terrified. Some reports I did hear of like no, like there was someone in the school. Uh in in some some instances. I don't know how valid that is. I don't know, but it it really like just threw things into a frenzy across the board. And I think it was just super it, it was it was terrifying, I'll be honest. I think for me as a parent, I I mean, I kept I kept my I was at peace knowing that well, I'm I'm working from home today, the day that this is happening. Um I can get to Mason's school in maybe 10 minutes flat if that um I don't want to I mean I did contact the school just to you know see like if they ha- if they had gotten anything directly themselves or if they felt any sort of anything it seemed like it was not everything was as normal and I talked to and when I had picked up Mason from school that day he had said no like yeah it was a good day today he didn't even like mention anything to me about being notified of any sort of potential threat of any kind there was no kind of exercise done or anything like that see because i think that's like the scary part to me is getting uh getting kids to a point of we are normalizing this we're normalizing what it is to have an intruder in the school and we're gonna have exercises for what to do if this were to ever happen it's like we're we're adding this to like the 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 bomb i mean the 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 fire drills we're gonna add this to the fire drills so that we can do this um and i think that's where for me it's like damn like you know that's the part that does put me at a state of unease because I don't know how I feel about that. I want my son to be informed and I want him to know like, yo, bad people do exist in this world. Uh, world is a scary place. You got to just, you know, listen to the adults around you and just try your best to, to just survive and get back to dad. And then let daddy protect you in like in, in those moments. Um because I also don't but I also don't want him to like live in fear. I don't want because I've always learned that the quickest way to control a people is to have them fear you. People fear you, you control them. I don't care what you say. That's just the reality of it. People fear you, you control them. I don't, I, nah, we, we ain't living under no control over here though. So I made sure he was good, but I didn't, I was like, I'm not, I'm not going to go over there and pick him up because I'm not, I'm, we, we don't live in fear. And you, and I just, I, the whole thing did turn out to be just like a hoax and, uh, empty threats, which I think is nasty, but I mean, that goes to show you it, it, it only takes one sick individual making some threats to shut down 
to to shut down the the peace of mind of the 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 school age parents of two states. It's all it took. So, yeah, oh, I don't know, I don't know, but I just I pray I pray for the day that I pray that day never comes where something tragic like that happens in the in the northeast at all again it's, i think we're we're coming to this point now where we're just seeing it we're seeing these mass shootings start to happen more and more often and it's super super unfortunate super super scary um i saw one today where um sammy actually sent it to us where there was a mass shooting in philadelphia that left three people, um, three people lost their lives, 13 injured. Uh, we're, we're just seeing more and more of it. We are seeing more and more of this happening. And it doesn't get any easier. Um, there was one four days ago at a Oklahoma hospital. Um, Five people losing their lives in that one. It's uh, something has to change. Something really does have to change. Something's got to give. And I am hopeful of that change. I'm hopeful that we can potentially get to a better place. So. Switching gears to uh, sticking to Jesus. switching gears, sticking to current news. Uh, it's the trial that's just had everyone captivated for the last few weeks, maybe a month already. I think it hit the month mark. The Johnny Depp trial, Johnny Depp versus Amber Heard. It's come to an end. And the jury, uh, the jury verdict came out in favor of Johnny. Essentially saying that, yeah, they rule in favor, stating that Amber Heard defamed Johnny Depp. And there's now, you know, just a whole boatload of money that she must pay to Johnny Depp and, and all of that stuff. And I mean, I think for me, it's a it's a narrative, and it's something that does need to get that doesn't does not get spoken about enough, because I think as a society, we do have a very. Uh, I understand the need of protecting our women, because there are, a lot of men who are monsters. But I think we often lose sight of the fact that not all men are monsters and not even a majority of men are monsters. The percentage of men who are monsters are a very, very overrepresented minority as it pertains to all men. Um, and we often ignore the percentage of 
women who take it upon themselves to demonize and villainize men um, for for the sake of their own uh, treachery for for their own their own pleasure for them not getting what they want for their just their own motives they they want to take these men and they want to try to villainize them and they want to try to demonize them and they want to do all of these things and this is just like a prime example of just like yo you you purposely did these things to paint this man as a monster with the sole intent of trying to destroy him You did this. You're you're not a you're you're not the you're not a victim. Um, and it's because of women like you that we cannot blindly believe all women. It's women like you who make that impossible. Because if we just believed all women blindly then women like you would use that power and aim it at men like a weapon. Women like you would use that ability to and weaponize it. So because you've done that, you've now made it so that the, the women who are truly uh, encountering these monsters, the women who are truly... Uh, victims have to go the extra mile to to uh validate and improve what's what's happened to them it's unfortunate it's unfortunate that women like this exist now, I don't want to make too many assumptions of Amber Heard outside of the fact that it was proven in a court of law that she did defame Johnny Depp. I don't want to get into assumptions about what happened beyond that. I don't know. That all happened behind closed doors. I don't know. But what we do know, what we, we did learn throughout this process is, yeah, there's like there, there there's some evil in you. There's some evil in you that you gotta you gotta live with and you gotta work on. So congratulations to Johnny Depp. Congratulations to him for that. Because that was yeah, that was big. That was big. Um while we're on the topic of just congratulations, uh I did wanna really mention just congratulations to famous Dex, um, the rapper who um, put out a statement, just kind of, and by statement, I mean, it was a tweet. It's a tweet, um, just that he's celebrating five months of being sober, which I think is amazing. I think it's great. Um, I remember seeing videos of him just strung out on Instagram lives and all of this stuff. And he just didn't, it, he didn't look good. So to see that, yeah, he's five months sober. That's amazing. That's amazing. It's commendable. I think it's worth mentioning. And then on the streak of 
congratulating. I did want to say again, congratulations to LeBron James, first active NBA player to reach billionaire status. Um, I think that's amazing. And I think that's where for like someone like him, see, there's so much of LeBron that gets kind of caught up in the the minutia of just like, well, he's an athlete and, you know, they he's supposed to be as great as Michael Jordan. He's supposed to be greater than Jordan, all this stuff. Yo, like LeBron met and exceeded every expectation that he had when he was 17 years old. Think about this for a second. Think about the amount of pressure and the amount of expectation being placed on a 17-year-old boy. And for him to go and meet and exceed all of those expectations. And those expectations are measuring you up against, you at age 17, measuring you up against the greatest of all time. Essentially saying, if you do, if, if you're not in, if you're not in the conversation of number one and two, by the time this is all said and done, then your whole career is a failure. And LeBron said, bet, bet, I got you. And he's gone on, and this is all, you know, single mother raised, uh, black boy in poverty and all of this stuff. I, I commend him. It's, it's honestly just so inspiring. Say what you want about, you know, when you play into the whole, the athletics of it all. I think it's commendable and I think it's amazing. I, I, I love to see it. I love to see it. Hello? What's up? Hello? He's staying upstairs until Tuesday? Okay. Um, are you, are you leaving? Okay. Bye. Sticking on sports, uh, I saw, so, one day, I'm telling you, I, I mean, I I don't think I mentioned, I didn't mention Ye last week, did I? No, no, I don't think I mentioned Ye last week, but I mean, I'm mentioning Ye this week, of course. Um, Ye has officially started a sports management company. Donda Sports is here, y'all. Uh, I don't really know what that means. I don't, I don't really know. I know 
Jay-Z has his Rock Nation Sports, where he has a couple of notable athletes. Ye is going down that same similar path. Uh, he is... He's signed two athletes so far. And this was also, and I don't know, like, it was, it seemed like he signed them just so close to the announcement of it, which I think is just genius, because I think it immediately just provides some level of validity of what it is that he's doing. Whereas, I think if he just announced that I'm going to be starting, you know, Donda Sports and, and all of this stuff, and then had no athletes, then it'd be like, all right, like, all right, like, it would just sound like a yay. This is just yay, yay saying shit. But no, he's already signed two athletes. So the announcement comes with the signing of uh, Super Bowl champion Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald of the Los Angeles Rams has signed with Donda Sports. And a uh, member of the Boston Celtics and hopefully future NBA champion Jalen Brown has signed with Donda Sports. Uh, shout out, I mean, congrats to Ye. I think that's awesome that he's, I mean, it's, it's, it's a new venture. I think it's cool. What can I say about it? I think it's really, really cool. Uh, I think that's a perfect transition right into sports. Uh, first, one, I mean, of course, I think that really the like the main thing to talk about in sports right now is the NBA Finals. The NBA Finals are here. We've seen Game 1. It is the Boston Celtics. First off, Game 7 of Boston versus Miami was amazing. The Celtics are just... They're just such a complete team right now. And we saw that in Game 7 against Miami, and then we saw that in... Game one against the Golden State Warriors. Now they're playing in Golden State, and things were a little rocky in the beginning. And they were still a little rocky uh, in the second quarter. Second quarter, the Celtics played better. Third, third quarter was your prototypical Golden State Warriors third quarter, where they just go off. Like, those Golden State third quarters are just, they're just known for just, yo, they just go off. And they, yeah, they went ahead and just, they, they were giving the Celtics a business. I can't, I can't even lie. Celtics went into the, they went into the fourth quarter and Golden State was up by double digits in the fourth quarter. And then the Celtics started going. And then Al Horford, the pride of the Dominican Republic, started going. And we saw them just start to hit threes. And they're playing, they're, they're do, they're playing defense. And, they're, and they swing the game over. And they take a double-digit lead. And they won by double digits. And they, they held the Golden State Warriors to like 16 points. In the fourth quarter. Keeping in mind. Steph Curry scored 21 points. In the first quarter. Breaking the record. For three pointers made. 
in the opening quarter of, of, of a finals game. I think it was the opening quarter period of a, of a, of a playoff game. And the Celtics got it done in Golden State. Huh. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. And this was all with, like, Tatum not scoring well at all. Tatum, I think he just had the record for, like, he had his, like, highest assist record, which I believe was, like, 13. But, yeah, he wasn't, he he shot under 20% from the field. So, I, game two is tonight, as of the recording of this podcast, um, I do believe Golden State will win game two because I, if the Celtics take two games in Golden State and they go to Boston with a 2-0 lead, I mean, it's hard to not start talking about sweeps at that point. It really is hard to not start start talking about sweeps if that happens. But I think Golden State wins this game. Uh... Celtics take two uh two straight in Boston. That ends up being a th- a 3-1 lead. Uh Golden State wins one more. Celtics close it out in 6. And I still think that Jason Tatum will end up getting the finals MVP. But I would not be opposed to Al Horford winning finals MVP, boy. Woo! Yeah, Al Horford wins the finals MVP. Yo, Dominicans are going to lose their shit, folks. I am telling you right now, Dominicans are going to lose it if Al Horford wins that finals MVP. So, letting y'all know that right now. Um, moving on, Moving on to some real sports. I got to talk about wrestling. There's too much going on in wrestling right now to not talk about wrestling. Uh, first, talking about WWE. Because I love that. I love what's going on with the bloodline, with the with Roman having both titles. And the Usos now having both tag titles. And all of this stuff, right? And we're we're coming up on uh, I believe tonight is Hell in a Cell. I will I will be keeping up with it, but I'm gonna be watching the basketball game because it's it's the finals. I can't that, that it's just it's just not gonna compete with it. And the Celtics are in the finals. Like it's just, no, I'm watching the finals, but I'll likely keep up with Hell in a Cell just to see how things are going and what's going on there. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of report. I mean, WWE is looking real thin right now. And I mean, yeah, you can say that it has to do with them pouring so much into this the Roman Reigns bloodline storyline. Because you can't... This is where I think WWE is being challenged from a storytelling perspective. Because they're now being forced to tell stories without the use of their world championship to tell it. They... They have Edge with the stable, Judgment Day. They've added, you know, he had they, they added Damian Priest to, to his stable so that he now has him. Then they added Rhea, Rip, uh, Rhea Ripley to the stable. They're, they're trying to tell a story, a meaningful story with Edge and this Judgment Day stable. 
without uh, putting a title into the mix. That's a challenge for WWE. They're, you know, I believe that they're, that stable is now feuding with AJ Styles, Finn Balor, and uh, Liv Morgan. Let's see how this how this plays out. If it's compelling, if it's interesting, I don't know. I I watch very casually at this point. Um, where I think WWE is lacking in their ability to tell stories without their main champion involved, I think AEW is just thriving in right now. Uh, first, we have the story of is so. There's really just two big stories coming out of AEW right now. The first one, let's get right into it. First off, uh, CM Punk. CM Punk is CM Punk won the AEW World Championship. He beat he he beat Hangman. Um, which I had a feeling would happen. Because there's a big Time Warner related merge going on. And you're going to want as much eyes on the product when you're, when you're doing something like that. You want to be able to show these new executives like, no, like this is the kind of traffic we can get. This is what we can do and all of this stuff. Uh, so they put the title on CM Punk. CM Punk is allegedly, he's requiring surgery, but he's not relinquishing the title. CM Punk is requiring surgery, so he's going to go away to get surgery. And whilst he is healing and recovering from the surgery, they will be crowning a new AEW, an interim AEW champion. They're having a battle royal this Wednesday. Winner of that battle royal goes on in the main event to face John Moxley, who's the number one ranked competitor right now in AEW, which I love that they do rankings because you can just say, yeah, something like this happens. It goes to this person because of the ranking. There's no argument about it. So, battle royal to open dynamite. Winner of the battle royal goes... To the main event to face Moxley. Winner of that match goes to Forbidden Door to face Tanahashi from New Japan. And then they that person is the interim AEW champion. That's pretty damn good. That is pretty damn good. I like the sounds of that completely. I really do. I really, really do. But I think this is where we're seeing the art of storytelling because that's not the biggest story coming out of AEW. The biggest story in AEW today is still MJF. MJF is time and time again proving himself to be. Uh, he's one of the greats. This guy's amazing. There's there's no ways about it. He's a, he's amazing at what he does. He's showing us time and time again. The story was that before the Double or Nothing pay-per-view, 
when MJF was scheduled to face Wardlow and and finally just pay off this feud that they had been building over some time. Uh, they had the Double or Nothing Fan Fest. MJF didn't show up. No showed it. And it was first reported that, no, like he's flying out of Vegas and he's walking out completely and will not be at the Double or Nothing event. Now, he did end up showing up to Double or Nothing and he did face Wardlow and he did the job. He put Wardlow over. Uh, and then Dynamite comes. And there's just all of these, and there's been all these rumors of MJF is, he's not happy with the amount of money that he's, like with what he, how he's being treated, what he's being paid, all of this stuff. It's been rumored that he's in negotiations, because I believe his contract is up in another like year or two. He's been in negotiations and he might be trying to get out. And it was rumored that he's like, yeah, that he's trying to go to WWE. Um, there's rumors that Cody Rhodes is involved with that, with getting him to WWE. Because Cody just went, and I think that's something that was bound to happen. You see, I think very similarly to when you think back to the uh, the Monday Night Wars, there was the huge rush of talent that went from WWE to WCW. But then eventually, you started seeing a lot of underappreciated talent go from WCW to WWE. We saw Chris Jericho go. We saw Eddie Guerrero. We saw uh, Benoit. We saw Milenko, Saturn. We saw all of these people who were just underused in WCW make the jump to WWE. So it's natural in thinking of this, this AEW time where so much talent went from WWE to AEW that eventually we would start to see more AEW talent make the jump to WWE because you got to remember, people, WWE is still the biggest show in town. Still the biggest show, and I'm still willing to argue that I don't think we'll ever see a show as big. We just won't. It, it just, I, I cannot foresee it happening. So, MJF has been, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if MJF left and went to WWE. Right? So, MJF, they... They promote that he will be that we'll be hearing from him on Dynamite last Wednesday. And he comes out and cuts a pipe bomb level promo, the likes of which we've not seen since CM Punk. But the thing is also MJF does these kind of promos though. It's these very, very well thought out promos where you don't know what's a work and what's a shoot, what's real, what's not. What's just part of the show, we don't know. That makes a good promo. And 
he very blatantly says it in the promo. Like, you, you know, Tony Khan cares so much about these former WWE guys, and he flat out says it. He's like, maybe you'd care about me more if I was a former WWE guy. See, MJF is, is really just getting the point across of like, look, I, I came into this company. I wasn't one of the favorites. I wasn't one of the, you know, this was all like all best friends wrestling. I wasn't, I wasn't part of the, 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 the group. I wasn't anyone's favorite. I came in here and built this shit up, my, built my shit up myself. And here I am. So, I, it feels like a work. It feels like a, a just a beautifully executed work to potentially, you know, just get more, um, more eyeballs on the product and all of that. That's what it feels like. But I don't know. But that's the like that's the part that makes it so good. See, Paul Heyman would always say, "The beauty, like what what makes a great promo is the the when you when you start to question what parts of the promo are real and what parts are not. That's what makes a good promo, and that's where you you could just see like MJF." Being as young as he is, I believe he's only 26, he gets it. He gets it so much. He is already just one of the great. He's one of the best. He really is one of the best. If I had the opportunity to do some like dream booking on this whole thing, it would be that during the process of this interim title situation, that eventually that interim world championship lands on MJF. It lands on MJF in time for whenever it is that CM Punk is ready to return. So once CM Punk is ready to return, the champion that he the interim champion that he should be facing should be MJF. And honestly, what it would do is that it would be a complete recreation of the Summer of Punk storyline, where it was Punk as champion versus John Cena as champion. The only thing now, <clears throat> CM Punk would be in Cena's shoes. It would be CM Punk in the shoes of the person that the machine is behind. While MJF is this anti-hero. MJF is this uh, workhorse who's trying to prove himself every step of the way. MJF is the one who isn't believed in by anyone in the back. But they all believe in punk now. That would be an amazing story. That would be it. That would... I think if you... If CM Punk ever wanted to find a way to ultimately like pay the business back, it would be in uh, creating, helping create someone who could have 
the level of of being over that he had during that era in time. During that time when uh when he was world champion for 434 days. You play your cards right with this, you end up with someone in MJF who could have that level of a run with a world championship. And he'd be doing it at a much younger age. MJF isn't even in his prime yet. He's still getting better. And you can get that kind of a run out of him now? Be insane. That would be insane. And I would I'm I'll be here for it. I'm here for it, y'all. I am. I really am. So yeah, I'm glued. Um I'm glued to, to all of this. Um another thing that's just currently in the air is the pending return or debut. It's return or debut of Bray Wyatt. Wyndham. Uh we don't know he's not signed to a company right now as as far as we all know. He's not signed anywhere as we all know as far as we know. We just know that he's uh he started to tease it that he will be he's just be patient that he'll be making he'll be making his return soon. We don't know to where. We don't know if he'll be on AEW. We don't know if he'll be back in WWE. We don't know. But I think that's going to be a very, very interesting one. Very, very interesting. So, um, <clears throat> I will say, I think I have like four other topics, but I'll be honest, I'm going to punt them to next week. Uh, yeah, I'll get into these next week because some of these are things that I want to do more research on. Because I don't, I, I, I do enough half-assed reporting on this podcast. I want to be able to, you know, provide y'all some level of um, substance. Substance. That's the word. So, with that being said, people, some ships float, some ships sink, but the best ships are friendships. And to those ships, we drink. Cheers. As always, peace. Ah, no, that's not it. As always, peace, love, and all the above. I'm out, y'all.